0: So next week, we're going to begin in, uh, talking about the doctrine of justification, which is the next chapter in Murray's, Murray's book. And I have a dis- fairly extended discussion of that uh, in this book um, uh, on um, uh, in chapter seven, the message um, the uh, uh, the essence of this book is uh, we're in the end times and one of the markers of the end times is, is an increase in deception. And that's why I have this chapter on uh, the message of the Gospel. Uh, a major focus of the book is we have to keep witnessing. Uh, and one of the major targets of our witnessing again sad to say are are people that are confessing Christians because many times you know they don't know the gospels that never been explained to them or they don't understand uh, the full ramifications of the gospel so uh, so you know we obviously have a duty to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. But I think included in that, since many people are deceived, is to speak to people who profess to be Christians. So uh, you can begin working your way through um, uh, uh, the message uh, as it deals with um, doctrine and justification as as well as sanctification. So anyway, uh, but read uh, read Murray's chapter. Um, but uh, but let's start with a uh, uh, with a uh, uh, with a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're thankful for uh, for this day, uh, for the freedoms that we have to come into worship. Uh, pray for um, Thy blessings upon our study. Help us to understand the majesty of the grace of God and to live accordingly, to be faithful, and uh, bless our our worship service that we might be strengthened in the faith and knowledge of our our great Savior. Uh, And certainly in this Advent season, uh, may we ponder the majesty of the Incarnation, all that it means to us. These things we ask in Christ's name, Amen. So if you recall, last time we talked about the new birth, Okay, must be born again, so god um, God births us by his divine power uh, you know, John, a famous text John John three the spirit blows uh, where he wills, so the spirit is sovereign but he's going to he's going to apply uh, the new birth to everyone that the son died for upon the cross uh, uh, um, The Son knows uh, those that the Father elected and the Spirit knows those that the Father elected and those uh, that Christ purchased on the cross. So He goes over time and applies it to their lives in the new birth. But the the major thing we talked about last week in terms of the new birth is it's not not just that we... Obviously, we become Christians but there's a number of effects that we looked at uh, in light of the new birth. And, and we spent uh, time uh, in John's first epistle um, that speaks to the change that occurs. And that changes over time and in a degree, but nonetheless, the change occurs. Uh, um, so... Part of uh, the new birth includes 1 John 2.29, doing righteousness, uh, not doing sin, loving, believing in Christ, overcoming the world. And uh, uh, we are outside of the control of sin and the evil one. So, uh, great great change occurs. And that is significant because there's a large portion of uh, evangelical Christianity uh, that believes that, well, we come to Christ and then there really doesn't have to be any change. You know, we're born again. You know the old phrase, which I believe, but I uh, certainly deserve some explanation. Once saved, always saved. Um, so doesn't have to be change. I, mean, I can you know even become a heretic, but because I had this decision for Christ, I'm saved forever. Um, but if you read the scriptures, uh, that possibility is, is not true. And that's one of the major things that John teaches us in his first epistle. The new birth brings change. Okay? And the Spirit of God in sanctifications keep, keeps moving us forward. Okay? So, anyway, um, uh, so this week we're at faith and repentance. Um, to the elements that we participate in. Uh, They don't cause our new birth because uh, we were unable. Uh, So the Spirit causes the new birth, gives us new hearts. So that's the cause. The effect is we believe in Christ and we turn away from our past allegiances. So faith and repentance. We have faith in Christ and we turn away. Uh, Sometimes the turning away is gradual, but I'm just suggesting that it occurs, but there is some immediate change. And the reason there is some immediate change is because uh, the new birth includes a change in our uh, affections. We no longer love the things we used to do because we're no longer the men and women we used to be. Our, our, our affections and our minds have been changed because of the new birth. Okay? It's like, you know, we had a heart and mind transplant. Uh, so, uh, um, Murray tells us that regeneration or being born again or the new birth is inseparable from the effects. Uh, uh, because cause is related to effects. Uh, let's look at uh, some texts uh, uh, about faith uh, resulting from the new birth. Turn to a well worn text. So turn to, if you would, Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to make sure you understand. Issue of cause and effect uh, because it's so critical. Okay, if you uh, if you look at verses two and three, we have uh, a theological description of our uh, uh, unregenerate lives that we were ruled over by our internal passions as well as external forces. So, so so look at Ephesians 2.1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, that we formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Okay? Among them we too also formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, notice nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. So our nature was opposed to God. We were children of wrath. And keep in mind, uh, in in my theology, our nature is determinative of our willing and our choices. Uh, It's like the example I gave you. Lions don't eat salad because their nature is carnivorous. Okay, Uh, Children of wrath don't choose God. Because their nature is to oppose God. They're at enmity with God. So there's a change of nature. Okay. Um, but, but it's worse than that. We walked according to the world. The world dictated many of our choices. Okay. Uh, the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Satan was a governing, ruling authority in our lives. Uh, and the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. And we were, we, we were sons of disobedience. So we had no hope whatsoever. We were utterly lost. Uh, we, we did not have the ability to understand the gospel and had no desire to come to the gospel. So, verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, okay? Now notice, notice what he does: made us alive. Okay, he gave us life uh, with Christ. based on His grace. Verse 6, "...and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ." So our union with Christ uh, is affecting part of this great change. Because of Christ, the Father makes us alive. Um, Because of Christ, we're we're in union with Him. Okay? Verse eight. I want to establish something that I know you've heard me say, but forgive me for the repetition. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So faith is always going to be present. The faith is ours. God makes us alive. Uh, the effect is we have faith in Christ. It's our faith. Okay. It's like when the when the uh, when when the child comes out of the womb of its mother. Uh, at some point. The child grasps for life and oftentimes begins crying. Um, but that didn't cause his birth,? Okay? It's the mother and father that caused its birth. Uh, and, and, and because the child is, his, comes into life, he grasps for air or cry, or he or she grasps for air and cries out, okay? Uh, that's not the cause of its life, it's the effect of its life. So in this case, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So our faith, it's our faith, but it's because God made us alive in that sense. It's a gift. Okay. Um, our faith doesn't save us. God saves us. Uh, but the means to apprehend that salvation is, of course, faith. We believe in what Christ did for us. We believe that we were sinners, we believed that we needed forgiveness. Okay, so uh, notice verse nine. that is a result of works that no one should boast. Okay, the vast majority of Christendom believes that we are saved by, in some measure, by our works. This is decimating that theology. A vast majority of people believe, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a fairly good. Good person, uh, so they forget Ephesians two one to three, and um, I think you know I just you know, as long as I do enough. If my good outweighs my bad, uh, in Roman Catholic theology, um, we are we are uh, saved by works because we got to get out of purgatory. It's works that get us out of purgatory. Um, um, we have to engage. Uh, uh, the sacrament of penance. And the priest is going to give us things to do when we go to confession because we've got to negate all this sin uh, that we participate in. Uh, so we've got to work to get out of uh, uh, purgatory. And even when we die, people need to work to help us to get out of purgatory. So uh, oftentimes people are told to pray for the dead. If you look up in our windows, we've covered them over. Those were prayers for the dead. Well, we don't pray for the dead. I mean, once you're, once you're dead, it's, you know, it's over with. Uh, but the Catholic Church has this doctrine of purgatory. And so, uh, you know, people are told to pray for the dead to get them out of purgatory or do things to get their loved ones out of purgatory. Uh, the great saints that the church acknowledges, uh, they're invoked to get them out of purgatory. Um, and at some point, um, you know, their sufferings. Their sufferings uh, in purgatory, uh, you know, pay the bill, and you know they go to heaven. So, uh, it's all about what we do. Our theology is all about what Christ did. It's, I mean, it, again, you've heard me say this. It's not really, it's not original to me. But we are saved by works, just not our work, the work of Christ. So, the central point is is Christ always Christ. Our union with Christ. Turn to Philippians chapter 1 and look at verse 29. Um, For to you it has been granted. Notice, granted. Look at the prepositional phrase for Christ's sake. Uh, in other words we were granted for the sake of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake okay so notice not only believe in him we didn't have the power to believe but it was granted to us for the sake of Christ so that granting is my reinforcement to you that our faith is a gift it's not something we do to save ourselves a uh, vast majority of Christians believe in some manner or we cooperate with God. He did His part, now I have to do my part. And the collusion of the two, God's part and my part, uh, results in salvation. We believe that God did it all uh, and that He grants everything. Okay. Uh, so our participation, once we're made alive, our participation in the Gospel, our loving... Uh, our our rejecting heresy, um, all the things that I mentioned earlier in terms of 1 John, uh, are tied to the new birth. So yeah, we cooperated because we were made alive. So granted to you for Christ's sake to believe in Him, but also to suffer. In some manner or form, we we suffer in this life uh, because, uh, because of our union with Christ. He suffered violently. Uh, in some measure, or form we're going to pay uh, pay some price uh, for being faithful to Christ. Um, it's much more intense. Again, you've heard me say this in places like China, North Korea, Arab nations, uh, Iran, so on and so forth. But some measure, or form. Um, we're going to uh, suffer. Uh, what about repentance? Okay. So let's, uh, let's turn to Acts. Uh, repentance is a necessary response to the Gospel. Okay. So, uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 18. So, so there's a lot of confusion in the early church, in the book of Acts, predominantly made up of Jewish Christians. Um, and they were a little bit confused about the Gentiles coming to faith and not having to do anything like get circumcised. They were males or you know, whatever the case might be. Um, you know. so, so they have to be corrected. Um, verse 17, if God therefore gave to them the same gift as He gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should stand in God's way? In other words, they don't have to engage in any aspects of the law, uh, you know, Mosaic law. Believe in Christ. Verse 18, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted... Notice God's granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Okay, so all I mean throughout all of the Scriptures, Old Testament, New, we are saved by faith in Christ. It's a lot clearer in the New Testament than it is the Old, but uh, there, there's no, there's not different ways of salvation. Okay. Not an Old Testament way and a New Testament way. There's just one way. Uh, and so, you know, they're they're learning that here. Um why I've got thirteen forty eight. Yeah, turn to Acts thirteen, forty eight. Um So, uh, so Paul, uh, obviously the Apostle to the Gentiles, um, uh, uh, in verse, verse 47, he speaks to a measure of his ministry among the Gentiles. He says, For I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, he should bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So the Old Testament anticipates Gentiles coming to faith. Okay, as you know, this is a citation from one of the servant songs, Isaiah 49.6. Christ is going to be a light to the, to the Gentiles. He's going to save Gentiles. Okay? Uh, and since Paul is uh, the apostle to the Gentiles, he participates in that ministry And notice the response of the Gentiles. Verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord that as many as been appointed to eternal life believed. Okay? Notice the cause of their belief. They'd been appointed to eternal life. Okay? Everyone that's been appointed to to eternal life is going to believe. They're, they're, so the Gentiles here are recognizing that yes, God even has saved us. Yeah. But the cause of their salvation is their divine appointment. Okay. Causing the effect is they believed. Okay. They believed, okay. and uh, they 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 turn away. Uh, they begin to uh, turn away uh, from their former manner of life. Uh, um, and so, you know, there's always going to be faith present. There's always going to be repentance present uh, because it's caused by the new birth. Okay. Um, uh, so D, uh, D2, if you're following the outline, faith is that act in which we receive and rest upon Christ alone for salvation from sin and its consequences. Uh, Murray talks about the warrant for it. And the warrant is the universal offer of the gospel. It's full, it's free, it's unrestricted. The gospel that we have in the Testaments and the gospel that the church preaches is full and free to anyone that can come. Uh, It's totally unrestricted. We proclaim the gospel to the whole world. Um, turn to Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 11. So Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Jesus is saying, You know, come to me. He doesn't say, uh, You know, just the elect come. He's, it's, a, it's a universal invitation. Of course, he knows he's only going to purchase the elect. But he issues a universal invitation. The Spirit's only going to apply it to the elect. Uh, but again, there's this universal invitation. It, the, the church mimics this. I don't know, who, as you know, I've told you this before, but I don't know who the elect are. God doesn't give me the Lamb's Book of Life. He just says, preach the Gospel. I'll save... But my means to save is a universal proclamation of the gospel. So, so our duty is to share the gospel. We can't save anyone. That's why we don't engage in arguing. And you know, I mean, you know, we can get in friendly debates about things and maybe counter false arguments, but we, we, we call people to come to Christ. We tell them the issue is uh, you know, you're a sinner, you're under a penalty of spiritual death, and Christ uh, paid for the sins of sinners. Come to Christ. Uh, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're telling people that Christ is the divine answer. Um, uh, obviously, Matthew twenty-eight universal uh, summons of the gospel that we take to the take to the whole world. Um, so Matthew. Um, Twenty-eight, nineteen. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, i with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have a warrant to go to all the world. I mean, as you know, uh, because we're a fairly small church, uh, uh, we align with reformed missionaries, and, and right now we have great. Yeah, missionaries in Uganda and the Congo, uh, doing, I think, great works for you know for God. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 7, uh, 25. Um, yeah, this is a great gospel text. Um, hence also, he is able to save forever. Okay? For those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he is able to save forever. He's extolling the majesty of Christ the great the great high priest. So Murray tells us uh, the gospel is what Christ has done for his covenant people. It is not therefore a proclamation that he has done it for everyone. Uh, I mean, as I've told you, uh, you know when I share the gospel, I say Christ died for the sins of sinners. I don't ever say Christ died for you because I don't know if He died for them or not. Uh, it's fairly common people. I mean, you hear this a lot. You know, we should tell people that God loves everybody and that He died for everybody. Um, to me, that's an inconsistent proclamation of the gospel. Because we know there's people that, uh, for example, in the Old Testament, that he didn't love. You know, Esau I hated, or Esau I rejected. Um, God is sovereign; he makes the choices. It's his covenant. Yeah. It's his creation. He can do as he wills. Okay. Yeah. And so you know, it's our summons to to repent, to repent and submit ourselves to to his will. Um, And I don't like to give people false hope. Well, if God God loves me, then He's not going to send me to hell. Well, again, the Bible tells us otherwise. So, um, we we proclaim the all-sufficiency and suitability of the Savior and we commit ourselves to Him as lost sinners. Uh, One of the... uh, great residual effects of the theology of the reformers so talking at the protestant reformation is a leave us a i think a great understanding of faith you know what is faith um, Obviously synonym is believing synonym is trusting but but if you notice you notice the nature of it uh Again, if you, if you have your outline, so I'm looking at D, B, one, knowledge. Okay, there must be, there must be the knowledge of what Christ has done. Okay, he died on the cross to pay the penalty, uh, for the sins of his covenant people, and he pays it, um, uh, in his incarnation, um, as man, he's, he's representing His covenant people who are all men, speaking generically. So He's their representative. Uh, um, as man, He's going to suffer in that payment. It is an efficacious payment because He's also God. So it's a perfect payment to satisfy the wrath of the perfect justice of God the Father. Hence the necessity of Christ in the incarnation as God-man. As God, He represents God. As God, He can render a sacrifice of infinite value uh, um, that will be accepted by God the Father. Uh, And as man, He represents um, uh, um, the vagaries, uh, sufferings uh, that uh, is, is really due us. Um, so there, there, there's in some measure or form, there's, there's, there's a knowledge of what Christ did. The truth of the Gospel. Um, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Obviously a proclamation of the Gospel. Uh, but the knowledge I think encompasses a little bit broader. I mean, what is belief? Well, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Who was He? What did He do? So, so that knowledge must be present. Okay? You're not saved by ignorance. You're not saved by feelings. You're saved by uh, uh, the truth of what Christ did upon the cross. Uh, notice number two: conviction. Okay. Uh, it's the assent to the truth of Christ and sin. There's a conviction that um, I'm a sinner. I have a I have an eternal liability before God. Um, and so there's a measure, we come under conviction that that's true. And therefore, we are, we're under great peril. Uh, we're, we're under great threat. Um, either an eternal person pays the bill, or we as uh, finite persons are going to pay for it throughout all time, eternity in hell. So, but it has to be paid for. There's a bill that has to be paid for. So there's a conviction about our sin and that Christ bore the weight of that sin and paid the bill for us. Okay. So knowledge, conviction, it's true. Okay. And then trust. Confidence or reliance are resting on Christ alone. I'm going to trust Christ because of what He did. I'm going to rely upon Him and not me. Uh, Catholic Church, it's a reliance upon the, what the church does for you. It's uh, so a reliance of what the priest does for you. Uh, mass every Sunday, repetition of it. Uh, you go to confession, the priest gives you things to do, so on and so forth. Um, we rely on Christ alone. Okay. Now all of this presupposes it's a historic event. Uh, uh, modern day Christian liberalism, well, it's not, I mean, there really wasn't this God, man, Christ. I mean, who can believe that? Born of a virgin, Who? I mean, uh, who can believe that? Uh, that? He paid for sin, he died, and he rose from the dead, who can believe that? Uh, so it's not that he did it, just that you believe that something or other happened and you believe that he did it let's separate historical. Okay, we're saved by historic fact. But we actually believed He was born the Virgin Mary. We actually believed He was crucified, died and was buried and rose again. You know, the simplicity of the Apostles' Creed. Okay, so, you know, you know we're not believing in myth. That's, you know, modern liberalism. So, we, we believe in historic fact. Um, repentance, so... Uh, D, faith and repentance, number three, is a change of heart, mind, and will uh, respecting God, ourselves, sin, and righteousness. Okay? So, uh, 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 the word repentance literally means a change of mind. We formerly hated God, our minds have been changed. Okay. We formerly had no desire whatsoever to obey him, now we want to. We formerly had no desire to please him, now we want to please him. And so there's going to be change. Okay. The repentance that we looked at from uh, Acts uh, is going to engage change in our lives. Over time, in degree, but there's going to be change. Okay. That's that, that's what repentance. Let's look at let's look at some text. So turn to First Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 9. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you. And how you turn to God from idols to serving living and true God. Okay? So, turn to God from idols. That's repentance. They turned away from their idols to God. That change has to occur. Because of God's power. The new birth. Our change in affections. Change in mind. We turn away from the old. You know, turn to the new. As you know, in the Old Testament, idolatry is—you uh, know—they were—they were told, warned not to commit idolatry. Um, same thing in the New Testament. We don't believe in idols. I think the Catholic Church, in many respects, has made Mary an idol because in the Catholic Church, Mary is a mediator, and so uh, you know they go to Mary for spiritual help um Mary, Mary can't save okay uh, um, she was the you know mother of the humanity of Jesus she's not the mother of God human being can't be the mother of God she's she was the mother of the humanity of Jesus within her womb was the God man um, but uh, but again it's pretty dominant Catholic theology, to pray to Mary, to invoke Mary um, um, because she was the mother of God and she's going to make God the Father who's angry at us, she's going to placate. Just like sometimes you mothers uh, get in the way of angry fathers to protect your children. You know, like, well, don't, don't use a belt. Use something else, you know. Take away the, I don't know, car keys or whatever. I don't I don't know how you, how you discipline your children. But, you know, sometimes mothers are uh, uh, placating or ameliorating force. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's the other way around. I, I don't know. Uh, but in the divine economy, it's not. <laughs> Mary, you know, um, Catholic theology, we get to the father through the mother. I mean, that's if you think about that, that's. That's incredible. It's incredible false doctrine. We don't get to God the Father through the Mother. Where's that in the New Testament? Get to the Father through Jesus Christ. He's the mediator. And there's only one mediator between God and man that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So um, lots of idol- idolatry out there. I mean, I don't know what, you know, what, you know maybe money, maybe it's drugs, chemicals, uh, chasing all types of. You know, different things. Um, it, it's very instructive to me. Um, uh, study the New Testament. False doctrine about Christ is idolatry. Okay. So we have to be very careful. You know, most people say, ah, who cares? What, whatever church you want to go to, there's this church and that church. Well, again, truth becomes incredibly important. Uh, so if you look at the last verse of first John, okay, what's what's John been teaching? He's t- teaching about false teachers. Okay, what do false teachers do? They get deliver false teachings, they go into church. Change churches with their false teachings. Notice how John ends this entire epistle. Guard yourself from idols. Nowhere else in this epistle is there any mention of idols. So, what's the idol? False teachings about Christ. Okay, it's not just believe whatever you want to, whatever makes you happy. Okay. Well, Phil, I'm so happy. I'm so glad that makes you happy that you've trusted Jesus, like it's for you. Not for me, but as long as it makes you happy. No, I mean, guard yourself from idols. So I be very careful about false teaching. Uh, so again, repentance. Let's look at... Um, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 24. In verses 46 and 47, and he said to them, "Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem." Okay, repentance, repentance. Um. An illustration of this, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Um, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. So he's trying to move them forward uh, as over against teaching them elementary... Uh, doctrines okay um, great expression of this in Acts chapter 2 I mean as you know spirit is poured out Peter is preaching he's telling them about who Christ is uh, much of the audience are uh, you know m- many in the audience are, are Jews. So Acts chapter 2 and verses 37 to 38. Now when they heard this, they were pierced. There's conviction to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent! Ladies, should you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, just laying claim there to the word repent. In other words, change your mind about who Christ was. Previous context, he's telling them who, who Christ was and you know, what He did. Uh, so again, repentance, change of mind, uh, and a turning away from, to, uh, doesn't cause our salvation. It's the effect of it. Uh, faith, uh, knowledge, Conviction, reliance. Okay. Um, any, any, any questions? So next week, look at doctrine, justification, and if you would begin to read uh, the chapter seven on message, um, and 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 we will we will spend a little bit of time on that because it's such a critical doctrine. Any uh, any any questions? Yes, you know. um Well, we don't deny the presence of feelings. we're just saying they're not salvific. Uh, they're just an emotional response. I mean part of that in Acts chapter 2 they were you know there was a measure of feeling about their conviction uh, So you know uh, part of our human nature is that we have feelings and emotions uh, but they don't uh, play a part in in, in salvation. Um, um, you know, we are human beings. You know, we're going to have emotional responses, but all of us are aware of the fact that our emotions come and go. Uh, knowledge, conviction, and reliance don't come and go. Those are the essential <coughs> critical elements. Repentance uh, uh, is an action that you know, shouldn't uh, shouldn't come and go. You know, we, we turn away from idols and we don't return back. Um, uh, you know, sometimes we you know we fail and we sin, but uh, because we're still fallen creatures, you have to understand that in our salvation, our sin nature hasn't been eradicated. Uh, it's just the fact that its dominion over us has been broken. It'll only be eradicated when uh, we either die or Christ comes again. So, so there's nothing wrong with feelings, I guess, but, but they're just not salvific. So. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's close in, a, in a, uh, a brief word of prayer. Uh, Father, thank Thee for the grace of God. Thank Thee for helping us to understand faith and repentance. Thank Thee that it's the product of the new birth and the uh, saving work of our great Redeemer and the Spirit that He dispatches to gather His own. Uh, keep us humble. And uh, also, Lord, keep us aware that we are still to issue forth a universal call of the Gospel uh, and to summons men and women to come to Christ. It's the only hope. The only hope in this uh, uh, chaotic, terrible uh, world in which we live. And we are thankful for the living hope that we have because of Christ our Redeemer, whose name we pray, amen.